Now here's those boyhood friends, Ron and Dave. I mean, Ron and Delbert. I'm just kidding. Here's Ronna and Donna. <laughs> hey, what's going on, you guys? Episode number 76 of the Ron and Don Show. Gunner, thanks for that uh, intro. Dude, sidebar. What? Did you have the little 76 decal thing when we were in 1976? You know what? Because it, they had the one, I there was a patch. We had it on the, we had the antenna oh, Yeah, ball. the antenna ball. Antenna ball. My dad had it on his color Sierra. Yeah. Why are we bringing that up? Because he just said episode 76. And it, made, I, it flashed in my mind that little <laughs> orange thing. And you had all those decals. You had like a Mack truck decal. Yeah. And you had uh, uh, some other. We lived in the Midwest. Auto part and what thing. my father would do is he would take old decals like that. And if you didn't have your car, it's called getting rusty jonesed. If you didn't have your car rusty jonesed, then your truck, we had a travel all, would just be eaten away by the road salt there because there's so much lake effect snow off of Lake Michigan. So I'd grow up in five, six feet of snow. Now it's probably only six inches, but when you're only six inches tall and you're a baby, it, seems like five it feels feet. like it's five to six inches tall. So nonetheless, my dad would take all those stickers and he'd put them all over the truck. And a lot of times, that was the only thing because he put them over the areas that had rusted. It was the only thing holding the truck together. It's a, a 76. So when you said it, I was like, I bet O'Neill had a 76 gotta love sticker. It. Hey, you got to love episode number 76 too, you guys. Coming up on the Ron and Don Show, uh, James Lipton, one of my favorite people of all times from the theater, he has passed away, so we're going to talk about that. And also, also, we got to talk about the goop generation here, and we're going to talk about the goop generation, and we're also, we got to, can, we got a title, can we stop the, is it, can we, stop the show. <laughs> Before we get into the rest of the show, uh, we got a title report the other day, and I didn't even know that you, our good friend Michelle, uh, sent us this from CW Title. It's on a property uh, that we're investigating. Maybe we're buying, maybe we're selling. I'm not going to get into that. And Ron, we started looking at this report, and we're like, oh my gosh, what was going on in the city of Seattle decades ago? Because this title report on this property, and we are licensed brokers at Windermere, so we pull title reports every once in a while. This has to be one of the most racist documents I've ever seen. And people have to remember when you talk about white privilege in this country, you have to understand where black people are coming from sometimes. And this gives you a perfect perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, it was crazy. So I get this document. It's attached in a PDF. I'm reading it. Uh, and it's from 1941. And can you talk about why we pull a title sure. report and why you're reading a title report? Well, because you want to, when you're looking to buy or sell a property, you want to make sure that it's unencumbered, that you're, it's able to be sold and there's nothing that's going to pop up where maybe there's a, a long lost uncle. It's like, I own 10% of that property. Cut me a check. Or there could be a lien on the property or there could be some something that you you just want to investigate some kind of easement restriction make sure the title's clean yeah. and so this this document is entitled declarations of protective covenants it's for a specific neighborhood and all i'll say is it's it's in seattle the address is seattle and so it's a it's a well-known neighborhood in seattle very well known yeah. and it's a protective covenants from 1941 1941 it's, it's on uh, it's from a typewriter so it's a xerox it's a photocopy of like typewriter pages back in the day when you had to get the white out and do the whole 1941 typewriter. So it's in that font. And so it goes through, it describes the neighborhood. It says what the boundaries are on the neighborhood and it's spelling out how they're going to develop, subdivide this into lots, sell all the lots out and what you can do with these lots. Yeah. And the thing I learned in history class when I was growing up, cause I grew up uh, in Illinois is South was bad. Even though I love Bo and Luke Duke, 
South is bad. North was good. Abraham Lincoln hated slavery. Uh, those in the South, uh, they love slavery. Everything in the South was based on slavery. Everything in the North, we hate slavery. And so the North fights against the South and Abraham Lincoln prevails. And as a result of that, there's no longer slavery in, slavery in this country. And as a result, the very next day, things were just so much better for black people, better. which was not true. And in fact, that's a decades, very short history book. Decades later now, uh, in some ways, things aren't great for us. So in this document, I'm reading it. I find it minorities. interesting because I just I like history. So I'm yeah. like, oh, this is kind of fun. It's a document from 1941. Uh, I'm thinking about World War II and all that stuff. And this and, is, and again, this is you would expect this in Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana. Somewhere in Texas, you wouldn't expect this in Seattle, so Washington, in 1941. Off with things like all the lots here are residential lots, so it just says you, you can't build a commercial building in our neighborhood. Make makes sense. No building shall be located uh, closer than 25 feet from the lot line. Got it. Mm. Uh, no residential structure will be erected uh, that is more or less than six uh, a lot less than 6,000 square feet. Got that. Normal stuff. Yeah. Uh, no dwelling costing less than three thousand dollars will be permitted. So mm. that's what it cost to build a house in 1941. No tents back then. Three thousand all the t- all the tents all that the- you see in the city right now would not yeah. be allowed. It right? says no trailers, basements, tents, uh, shacks, garages, or barns. You can't live in one of those. So I'm reading through this. I'm like, okay, this all makes sense. And then I get to paragraph I, mm. and I'm just going to read it for you. Some of the words are just obscured by the how many times it's been photocopied. No persons or any race other than white or Caucasian race shall use or occupy any building or any lot, except that is this covenant shall not prevent occupancy by a domestic servant of a different race uh, domiciled with the owner or tenant. April April 30th, 1941, every single person on this board put their signature below, just like you see on the Declaration of Independence. Mm. Uh, and I stopped cold right there. I was like, are you kidding me? Seattle neighborhood carving up this piece of raw land into lots. And the only people of color that can, that are allowed into this neighborhood are domestic servants. As long as the, the owner of the house is white or Caucasian. Yeah. And think about homes around here. And, And we see this in the South, but you'll see it too. In the South, we see carriage houses. In the South, we see slave quarters or butler's quarters. Or you walk into a lot of these big four-corner craftsmen that you'll see uh, here in Seattle, and you wonder why there's so many walls and why the kitchen uh, galleys are so small and everything's cut off. Because now when you walk in to one of these big four-door craftsmen or four-window craftsmen or four-corner craftsmen, you, you want that open floor plan, right? And so you start taking out walls so the living room can flow into the dining room, can flow, to to the can flow into the kitchen. Well, back then, you didn't want things flowing into the kitchen because that's where, quote-unquote, the help was working, right? And that just wasn't in the South. Uh, that was also here in Seattle, too. So I have good news, though. So I tracked this down today. Uh, good news, I guess, for modern times. I tracked down the, the title person today. We are getting that redacted off of this document because it is illegal now mm. uh, after the, the housing laws of 1968, you no longer can have a covenant like that. So even though it's on the title of this property, it's illegal. We're taking it off. And so anyone in the field, like what, what would you, if, let's say you were a person of color and you wanted to buy that house. No. You're going to open up this document because you're doing your homework and you're like, what? There's a lot of, a lot of places in the United States in the forties uh, if you're African-American where you couldn't buy a piece of land, where was the first place that Af- African-Americans 
were able to buy land. Do you remember? I, I, I don't know. It's called the Lower Ninth Ward in New Orleans, Louisiana. It is nine inches below sea level. And one of the reasons why the Lower Ninth Ward, and that's where uh, Fats Domino, for instance, that's where he grew up. The reason African-Americans were allowed to buy that, that property is they knew they couldn't farm it because it would flood all the time. And white people just didn't want it. But they wanted African-Americans within a stone's throw of a lot of their mansions in the Garden District or Uptown or on Canal Street. And so thus was born the Lower Ninth Ward. And what was the first thing to flood and to be destroyed when Katrina hit? It was the Lower Ninth Ward, right? So that was the first time in United States history that African-Americans were able to go out and buy land. But it was that kind of land, the land that nobody else wanted. So think about that. This story was just from 1941. It showed up in a document in 2020 that we received through a title company. And what would it be like if you were an African-American person and you were going out to buy a piece of real estate and this document showed up and it's reflective of what was going on in that neighborhood at the time? You know what? It'd grind you a little bit. It'd nick you a little bit. I think it'd nick you a lot. I think it would hurt you deeply. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, everybody. It's the Ron and Don Show. Ronanddon.com. dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron, and my dad, Don. All right, Ron and Don Show, episode number 76. Don't forget, we're licensed brokers at Windermere, buying, selling, or you're thinking about going out and buying a rental property. That's something that we do a lot of. If you're thinking about investing, we love to be a part of your real estate journey. Let's just sit down and just talk about it. Have a cup of coffee together. You can come to our offices or we can come to you. Reach out to Ron. Ron at Windermere.com and Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. Have you followed uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's company, Goop? Yeah, and it seems like she keeps getting married to people and then she keeps divorcing everyone. But it seems Uncoupl- like uncoupling, it, Don? it seems like once they're divorced, they, they're even more involved in each other's lives, right? Yeah. It's well, like, she did that with Chris Martin, the lead singer of Coldplay. Yeah. They consciously uncoupled, got a lot of uh, lampooning on the internet. You know, for people that. But make, they had they have small kids. People make fun I of it. I respect what they did. Yeah, and, and you look at uh, what Jennifer Gardner uh, is doing with Batman, uh, Ben Affleck. The same thing. Um, she saw that he struggles with addiction. As a result of that, they ended up getting divorced. He cheated on her, we believe. Uh, but they have little kids together. And I think it's lovely that they go to church together. I think it's lovely that on their kids' birthdays, they'll hang out together. And they are on a front where they're like, hey, even though the job of being married uh, is over, there is still a job of taking care of these kids. We brought both these kids into this world, and let's parent them. And let's co-parent them. I think that's super valuable, actually. So she starts this company called Goop, 
And it's it's a lot of sort of new agey uh, adjacent alternative medicine sort of practices. It's sort of woo, very woo woo out there. And then the genius of what she did, and it's got a huge valuation. It's very goo goo actually. It's very goo goo gaga goopy. Yeah. Uh, is there's all then she'll endorse products that are usually quite expensive. People buy these products and they make all kinds of claims. Uh, and there have been complaints against uh, whether, whether these claims are true or not. And so Netflix just did a, a series called The Goop Lab. Uh, and this is not with Sanjay Gupta. This is with Gwyneth Paltrow. And a, a, an outfit called MorningConsult.com went out and polled Americans. They're like, there's a lot of things in here that are not mainstream at all. Hmm. And they're trying to measure the goop effect with Gwyneth Paltrow. She's very appealing. Yeah. Uh, she's very earnest. And a lot of people know her from movies. And so they're saying, is she creating an interest in these things where there was very little interest before. And and so they talked about right now the most popular spiritual practices. These, these are not the necessarily the goopy ones, mm-hmm. but these are just where they're like, okay, let's just talk about the alternative ones and see how many people really know about this. Okay, uh, Reading your horoscope, they say that almost over half of Americans read, read their horoscope. Is that a good, if you're a goop person, you do that? No, that's just in, in the ether, just in, in society right okay. now. Okay, yeah. Uh, using herbal supplements. What are you, are you a fire sign, water sign? I don't, you? I don't do the, the you don't so that's not you it's not me okay i'm in the minority i know i'm aries and i know that that's a lot of trouble i know i know an aries is a lot of trouble well so, i think any of your son my son is an aries too so together it's double trouble don't you forget about that so um using herbal supplements is on the list mindfulness uh is interesting so 38 percent of people say they do it 20 yeah. percent are interested in doing it i'm interested in being mindful i just don't know how and i don't know if being mindful is part of meditation or is that different i don't know but i'm i'm trying to be more mindful mindful i'm pretty sure though that i'm i'm failing at it miserably they talk about cbd infused products yeah. that uh, there's a 19 percent of americans are interested in that i do that for my dog and i do that so i can go to sleep and sometimes i just do it so my dog and i can go to sleep so uh uh you know what turned me on to that was our friend rachel bell she did it with her cat because her cat was having a hard time sleeping yeah and so i'm like well what's good for the cat is good for me could be good for the dog and uh cbd oil is a big deal and i'm glad that they NFL right now, and I hope all sports will take a second look at this, because you look at the pain that a lot of these athletes are in, and CBD can make all the difference. It really can, instead of just pumping your body full of steroids and taking shots so you you can play on Sunday. Okay, so here's some goopy ones. Okay. Acupuncture, Mm. putting healing crystals in your home, Okay. raindrop therapy, Yeah. And flotation therapy. Huh. So I have tried a couple of these. Oh, you have? I've done the flotation therapy. It's a, uh, you go in to a sensory deprivation tank. Mm. It's salt water that has so much salt in it that you just float. Uh, kind of on top of, not on top of, but you don't sink down like you would in normal water. And then you can either have your pod that you're floating in either be complete silence. You can have uh, maybe a little like ambient noise in there and it can be totally dark or you can have a couple, just a little bit of illumination. Where are you, where are you floating to? You, where are you, you just yeah. float. You're inside of a, like an egg. Oh, and, and it's long enough for you to lay down in. Do you get like an oar? Can you like, uh, can you, nope. you can just want to lay perfectly still. Oh. It feels like you're weightless because the, the salinity of the water supports your body and you're supposed to just lay there. So it's not like a float. log ride at Disneyland where you're going to go uh, nope. up it, and over a sensory deprivation, a waterfall. And it's, it, it was 60 minutes. It was too long for me. <sighs> It was like, I could, I think oh. now I might be able to do the 60 minutes, yeah. but after about 30 minutes, I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm, 
Now what? So that one was, uh, but there's uh, so 27 percent. So, so let me ask you, what did you do it though? What were you looking for? What well, were you hope? What were you hoping to find? I with was that? hoping that it would be like a relaxation thing. Okay, that it would help. Uh, you know, a lot of times when my mind gets going, I have a hard time turning it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, even late at night, I'm just like, I can't. You're just going over your to do list. You're going over thinking about something and ruminating because your over mind and over your and mind over. ruminates at loops. And and a lot of times, if you have an issue or a problem when you're going to bed, your mind will sit there and still work on that issue or problem and you're like let's stop working on this problem and so like, let's maybe. work on it tomorrow yeah and at the time i did this down, i was having a lot of anxiety too so it was no. like okay maybe this will help didn't really i was like you know it would be great if it, if it was a 30 minute in, in the bat in the flotation 30 minute massage now i'm interested and then you went off a waterfall like the matterhorn exactly. at disneyland in your pod that would be pretty cool actually so raindrop therapy this one is interesting 34 percent of the people polled said they would try this this is where you take undiluted uh, essential oils and they think that they're tied to specific things and they put those on your body. Mm. Doctors are saying, don't do that. Yeah. If you want, especially dermatologists, like nothing's going to give you skin irritation quicker than if you take like undiluted uh, essential oils like spearmint and just put it directly on your body. It's an irritant. You know what though? Anytime you smell spearmint, you just feel like you're doing something good for yourself. You do. Anytime. Not the undiluted you, one. you walk in and you go to get a massage. And even if last time I got a massage, this woman was like a middle linebacker for the Chicago Bear. I felt like I got one uh, a massage from number 50, Michael Singletary, uh, back during the day because I told her I wanted a sports massage. And she went she to basically town. ripped my arms off and beat me with the bloody ends of it. It was unbelievable. But at the end, it didn't bother me because I smelled like spearmint. When you walk <laughs> out and you smell like spearmint, you just feel cleaner, you feel refreshed. And you feel like you did some self-care. And I don't totally have self-care figured out, but I'm trying to do some of that right now. All right, too. real quick, before we get out of here, the, yeah. the goop poll on your beliefs, if you're a, just a regular American or a spiritual dabbler, uh, and uh, do you consider yourself a spiritual dabbler? I, what I'm learning is I'm, I'm open. I'm open to what other people think. When I was younger, I thought I had it all figured out. I realized the things I had figured out don't work. And so I'm really interested in other people's experience, their process, what they're learning. And if I can steal something from them, I'm in. All right, so. speed round, and then you can comment after you get through it. This okay. is a very short list. Do you believe in these things? Yeah. God or a universal spirit? Some kind of universal spirit, I think, sure. Do you believe in heaven? I, I, uh, do I believe in heaven? Uh, I, I, I don't think so. Hell? No. Spiritual energy? Uh, yes. Uh, psychics uh no astrology unless they're on channel 274 and they're looking for a missing dead man that murdered his wife back in 1974 uh brides with knives is what that that show is called they bring a psychic in you you better look out pal because those psychics get it done astrology uh i think it's fun reincarnation reincarnation maybe more reincarnation and 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 when you talk about heaven and hell uh not the heaven and hell that i was taught in church when i was growing up so heaven is probably just being with me right now we had a psychic on doing the the ron and don show in the show one time that that chris cornell's mom that read you like a book it was chris cornell's mom we were in phoenix yeah she was great she nailed freaked out after you believed in it right after what about all those you believe in all those things uh most of them no i'm open to believing i believe in spiritual energy i'm open to believing i really am i'm open to someone 
share with me about hell and explain it to me. I'm going to I'm going to try to watch a Goop Lab episode and not be skeptical. But uh, don't do raindrop therapy, people. Uh-huh. It's not good for your skin. Uh, coming up, James Lipton. We'll talk about him. He just passed away. It's the Ron and Don Show. Episode number 76. Everything is up right now. Ronanddon.com. Real licensed brokers at Windermere. Click on our real estate picture. You know they're real estate guys because they have aviator glasses on, right? Those are closing glasses because you're always closing. On the other side, the other side is the microphone. Everything that's Ron and Don gets signed up for the newsletter. And this show drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday only on the Ron and Don. If a move is in your future, do a Ron and Don sit down. Email ron at windermere.com. Thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. I'm G Force O'Neill, the real brains of this operation. Hey, Dad, can we go get a sandwich? All right, people ask us all the time, how'd you get on the radio? I decided when I was really young uh, that I wanted to be on the radio. WMAQ is going to make me rich. WLS in Chicago. Talk about the Chicago Bears, Walter Payton, Dan Hampton, Bob Avellini, the only punter that would kick the ball backwards and the Bears would lose like eight yards. It was unbelievable. Kick it over his head backwards. <laughs> That's soldier feel. So I would do the My grandmother, my late grandmother, Grandma Caroline, she had insomnia. So we just we would stay up. And we would listen to someone on the radio by the name of Sally Jesse Raphael. And you knew her later on when she had a great television show. She was a great interviewer. You can still sing the TalkNet theme song. Don't think I can't. Someone to talk to. Someone, someone who cares. cares. Someone you know who always be there. Tune in. Turn on TalkNet. We care. This is Sally Jesse Raphael. That's perfect pitch, by the Thank way. Congratulations. You. And Sounds then Bruce great. Williams took over. Yeah, and then Bruce Williams took over. I love and that show. I've always liked studying great communicators. So even though we went to school for communication, I never went to broadcast school. And the way that you learn to broadcast, and I'm still working on it each and every day. It's one of my favorite things, but I still feel so young in the, the profession, is just following people that are great broadcasters. Great, and this is what you find. Great broadcasters are usually great listeners they are very well prepared. And oftentimes, when they're well prepared, they will create a surprise that the guest doesn't see coming. And it's usually because you did your due diligence and you started digging. Howard Stern, for instance, one of the reasons why he's one of the great interviewers, when he had Madonna on a couple of years ago, he asked her questions that nobody had ever asked her. And I'm not talking about uh, just sexual prowess, it's not about that. He would go deep, he has five different people that investigate and try to dig stuff up. Sally Jesse Raphael, very much that way. Oprah Winfrey, one of the best. uh, Donahue, going back to Donahue back in the day, he was phenomenal, always prepared. And then you can tell when someone's just doing it on talent and they haven't read the book, you go back and you listen to old Don Imus shows, he never read anyone's book. He's just a dude with a cowboy hat. And at the end of the day, uh, not a very good interviewer. Pretty darn funny on the radio. James Lipton, though. James Lipton may be the best 
of all time. Yeah, and he passed away at the age of 93 this week at his home in Manhattan. He had bladder cancer. And people, most of people know him uh, now uh, for his 23 seasons of Inside the Actors Studio. But when you go back, I was fascinated when I read through his life. He started out, his very first job was a voice actor on the Lone Ranger radio show. Uh, he played one of the kids in the Lone Ranger. Uh, and then he got hooked after that. He went on to be an actor. He spent a decade on The Guiding Light as actor. Uh, Dr. Dick Grant. Hmm. Uh, and so that was his big acting job. Uh, after that, he became a producer. He produced the very first televised inauguration ceremony, which was President Jimmy Carter in 1977. Wow. Uh, and then he did a dozen uh, birthday specials for Bob Hope as a producer. Those and are so good. Yeah. He, he changed career. And then he was a writer for a long time uh, and studied acting for a long time. He teamed up with the actor's studio. And at the time, it was about to go out of business. Hmm. And so he figured out a way to do this uh, master's class uh, that was accredited and charged a lot of money for that. And then also as he was doing it, he's like, okay, I'm going to go back into the history of the actor's studio. We have so many famous people. I'll see if I can get them to come in as a seminar. And a light bulb went off because he was, uh, when he produced like Jimmy Carter and produced Bob Hope, he's like, this would make a great TV show. So he approached a brand new upstart station called Bravo. And he said, if I can get people like, um, Paul Newman or Sally Field or Dennis Hopper to come in and do an in-depth interview. Would you guys air it? They agreed, and that's how it started. I didn't realize... Inside the actor's studio, by the way. The, the television show. Yeah, yeah. And so he... Um, these interviews were five hours long. Mm -hmm. They get edited down to the best 60 minutes. I thought they would maybe like 90 minutes or, or two hours. I didn't realize they were five hours long. Mm -hmm. And and he had a researcher that he teamed up with. And they were the famous stack of blue cards that he would try to go through. Uh, I love that show. I think... I'm, I feel like I turned you on to that show, but maybe you were aware of it already. But there was, I, I used to watch it, uh, new episodes all the time because A, the craft of him being an interviewer, and then B, people did get comfortable and you saw people that you admired in movies give him stuff that they didn't give anybody else because he was so thorough and they respected the craft and he, he kept it intellectual and didn't have a bunch of gotcha moments. Why do you think he had the ability, like with Tom Cruise, for instance, he was interviewing him one time and he could get Tom Cruise and nobody else could do this to get back in the, in the cockpit. And to begin to have a discussion, for instance, with Iceman, he because, was able yeah. to get Tom Cruise to go into character and to do it. And you knew with a guy like Robin Williams, Robin Williams, you could just turn him on and let him go. But, but a guy like Tom Cruise would never give you anything like that. But he was able to pull that because off and he make went that happen. All the movies. He didn't just jump straight from, hey, Tom, how are you, right to Top Gun. Mm. He went through every single movie. The middle ones get cut out of the TV show. Mm. So you jump from Risky Business to Top Gun, and then he goes into it. But he didn't realize he talked about the ups and downs and the production, everything in between. Jack Lemmon, I don't know if you remember that episode. That was the first time he publicly admitted that he was an alcoholic. Mm. He did it to James Lipton. They were just talking through his career. He brings it up. And, and it was almost like, in fact, James Lipton asked him in real time. He's like, are, are you? Are you talking about you or a character in one of your movies? And Jack Lemmon admitted mm. the first time publicly that he was an alcoholic. He James Lipton one time answered the famous five questions that he did. So there, there's a, a, a French interviewer named Bernard Pivot that invented these five questions. And um, James actually lived in France. Believe it or not, he was a pimp 
for a few months in France. James Lipton was? James Lipton. Wow. Uh, back in his when he was a young man, but he spoke fluent French, liked this guy Pivot. And then when James Lipton got famous, he went back to France and was interviewed by Pivot. Pivot asked him the same questions that Lipton stole from him. Mm. And so he only answered him one time. What is your favorite curse word? Uh, James Lipton uh, uh, responded, uh, JC. And just so everybody knows, if you never watch his show, these are the final questions that you're asked at the end. So. What profession would you have wanted to practice? Executioner, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. And then the only one they recapped here. If God exists, what would you like to hear him say after your death? You see, Jim, you were wrong. I exist, but you can come in anyway. Which is probably the best answer I've heard of everyone that answered that question. That's that's sort of a genius one. I'm going to miss that guy. He had a very long, like his second wife that came to all the tapings of the show... They were married for um, 49 years. Wow. What do, what do you think the secrets of a good interviewer are? And, like, who do you really like? I like people that listen and don't. Like, you might have your stack of blue cards, and the thing that drives me crazy is when someone will answer something and they don't follow up. They're like, yeah, and then we found the body on the side of the road. Okay, tell me about your next book. It's like, no, dude! What's the follow-up question about the body on the side of the road? That's, like, you got to keep going on that path. That's Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, because Jimmy Fallon has so it's such a circus when he does his Tonight Show that I think his brain is always in these other places and spaces. And we got this game coming up, and we're gonna do pull out these kids' instruments, and I'm gonna jam with the roots. That I think he forgets about the interviewer and the interview that he's doing, and a lot of times he still seems ill prepared. And I can tell he doesn't write the book. A lot of uh, read the book. A lot of times, what companies do, publishers will do, is they'll send you the book. And then they'll send you kind of a cliff note version and they'll say, here's some questions that you should ask. And you can always tell when they're asking those questions, or at least I can, uh, I guess just from interviewing folks for so many years. And my worst interviews I've ever done were interviews that I just wasn't prepared and ready for. So Jimmy Carter, though, one of our best interviews ever because we were prepared and ready for that. Plus the Secret Service was standing about six inches and away. And they were strapped. Yeah. They were cock-locked and ready to rock. Anyway. Hey, thanks for stopping by episode number 76. We appreciate you guys. He's Ron, I'm Don. Everything's at ronanddon.com. And of course, we're licensed brokers. So if you're going on a real estate journey, and it doesn't have to be this week or this month, but if it's sometime this year, next year, we'd love to be a part of it. Just reach out to us. Ron at windermere.com. Don O'Neill at windermere.com. Everything at ronanddon.com. Keep your head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Here's my son to say goodbye on the Ron and Don Show. G-Force, take it. People ask me, how do you put up with these two? My answer, good snacks and video games. We'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.